Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And, and, and Alex, Alex, is, today started rough. Today started so not good. Um, <laughs> I was woken up three hours before I wanted to by a fire alarm. Jeez. Ah, uh, so good. So good. I feel like everybody that's lived in an apartment or a dorm or any sort of congregated living situation has a story about how they were either woken up or they had to like go out into the parking lot at like 2 a.m. because of a fire alarm. And let me tell you, in your almost mid 20s, doesn't get any easier. See, my thing is that's one of the biggest reasons why I go to like sleep with pajamas on. There's a lot of people out here like sleeping in boxers or just straight up naked. And I'm like, hey, bro, if someone breaks in, if there's a fire, if there's a medical emergency, you don't have to worry about throwing on clothes real quick. Hey, Alex, um, I understand your concern as one of those people got good at it pretty fast. That's it's just skill? one of those things that, like, I picked up real if quick. the fire would have been outside your room or next door, it's just something you don't want to have to do. I understand you know? that, and I do. I really do. But, like, I think I've gotten it to, like, sub-15 at this point. So, <laughs> like... I mean, I guess that you can continue to do it if it's something you practice. Yeah. But I can't imagine many people are like, all right, let me do my clothes drill. <laughs> and... I just like because someone was cooking in the kitchen and they didn't have the fan on and and the alarms in my apartment. It's not just the smoke detector. It's like one of those like public school whole building fire alarms. Like that's the kind of sound it is. It sound it sounds like there's a tank backing up into my room, and uh, so like it activates my fight or flight and I'm like adrenaline's pumping and I go out into the kitchen and there's the person that's like. In the kitchen, it's just like, oh, that's just me. Sorry, Teehee. <sighs> Alex, I was I was ready to lose it. There should be someone in the kitchen who can just hit a button and be like, burnt something. Don't Oop- worry about yeah. it. Oopsie daisy. Yeah, and so, you know, I had to do the whole, like, using a pillow as a fan over the smoke detector thing. And e- every smoke detector does this, where it goes off, and you're like, phew, took care of that. And then as soon as you walk away, it starts back up again. I was. Yep. Yeah. So, hey, don't recommend zero out of 10 experience. Hey, even if you're a good cook, keep the fan on when you're cooking just just to be safe. Yeah, dude, the people who I live with a person who doesn't turn the fan on unless I'm around because it makes noise. Hey, this is a call out to your 18 month old daughter. Turn the fan on when you're cooking. Yeah, dude, just turn the fan on. Also, speaking of fans, when you're in the bathroom. Turn on the fan. There's no reason turn to it not. On. There's no reason. Literally the, no reason. There are so many people who are just like, I'll turn it on when I leave. I'm like, what? Why? It Now it's past the point when you need it. Now it's too late. Because those people like turn on the fan and shut the door behind them. I'm like, now no one can use the bathroom, bro. That's just inconsiderate. <laughs> turn it on while you're in there. So when you leave, we can immediately send another person in if need be. You've turned the that bathroom into sense. an aroma hot box. Yeah, bro. Hey, let me just like fill it up with horrible things and then see how much I can fix retroactively when it's not my problem. 
So so ridiculous. This has been fan etiquette, bro. This has been the permanent good advice hour. Please, 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 please for my sake, please, Alex. Can we talk about the movies, please? Let's talk about the movies, bro. Um, we did war movies, aka military movies, for this micro themed week. Um, we did Saving Private Ryan in 1917. Both of these movies have won Oscars, as in plural for each one of them. Both of them have won more than one. And I'm excited to talk about them. And as always, whenever we do two movies at once, we are going to be going into full spoilers. We're giving a general spoiler warning for both movies. If that's not your thing, if you don't want to hear us talk about the movies and you want to skip right to the other parts of the podcast, I guess, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 39 minutes, 5 seconds. For a movie called Saving Private Ryan, Ryan was in minimal danger for most of the movie. Yeah, um, I think he shows up in the last hour, like the last 50 minutes. Yeah, in I a three-hour movie. I mean, the whole thing movie. is like Saving Private Ryan, I think it more aptly named uh, Searching for Private Ryan, Looking for Private Ryan, Quest for Private Ryan, because it's way more about the journey than the actual saving part. But, I mean, saving sounds better. Yeah. I think it's at this point, it's semantics. Yeah. Um, uh, so this movie, Tom Hanks, Matt Damon, um, there's some other famous, Vin Diesel, he's in it. Um, but, you know, he's not a star in the movie. Matt Damon and Tom Hanks are kind of like the big names that you would recognize now. But there's still so many people in this that you would know when you see them. Like Paul Giamatti. And Ted Danson are just in the movie. Um, Giovanni uh, Ribisi, I knew him, recognized him immediately. I think a lot of people are going to watch this and be like, I've seen him from somewhere. I've seen him from somewhere. He's another thing I've known. Like, there's this movie's packed with celebrities. Yeah, and that's the thing that happens when you watch a classic movie like this, is a lot of the secondary characters are people that, you know, maybe got their start from this movie. Yeah. Like, this was Vin Diesel before any of the Fast and Furious. This is Matt Damon right after... Um, Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. He had not done another movie. This is his second movie. They cast him because he was a nobody. And I, I feel like that's a common theme through most of this movie. Like, Tom Hanks was the guy. And so, the, the plot to this movie is pretty simple. It starts... With showing us, you know, an, uh, a depiction of the invasion of Normandy, and that takes 20, 25 minutes. And then afterwards, we get a scene of um, one of the office military, uh, I, I, I don't know what rank he was, but one of the head honchos of the army got a letter that's like, hey, three of these four brothers have died. And he's like, I shall not let the fourth brother die as well. So one thing leads to another. And then Tom Hanks and his crew are led on the mission to find this last private Ryan and bring him home. So not all four brothers die during this war. Yeah. And that's pretty much the gist. I think, can you explain to me why that mission was sent forward? Because I feel like I just wasn't getting something. Because the movie even tries to explain, like, why it's important to save Private Ryan. Because even as an audience member, there's no, like, there's no confirmation that he's alive. There's no, 
confirmation that he's a POW. There's not like no one knows if he's dead. And this whole movie kind of have has an overarching theme of like, why are we sending a crew of eight guys to find someone that we don't even know his status? And that, well, here's the thing. Yeah. This movie is straight up fiction. Yes. Like D-Day is extremely accurate and that's about it. Okay. This would never freaking happen. Yeah. Um, people would just die. Okay. So many people died, especially in like World War One, World War Two. Yeah, like they regretted it. But if this mission were based in some truth, it's because some high-ranking person just felt like eh, I'm going to do something good today. Yeah, it felt like that's it. That would have been the extent of it. Of like, ah, eh, let's do a little something extra. It's not that important. It felt this, like, weirdly insignificant. Of yeah, so- it was. Yeah, and so that was a big gripe that I had with this movie. Um. But, you know, once you get past that, you know, it's a thing. So here's a a statement that I want to make that I'm going to come back to at several points during this conversation, where when you have a type of story that becomes its own genre, like war movies, more often than not, the story itself almost beat for beat the same thing. And so what it really comes down to is how that story is told. And this movie, the way it sets itself apart from other military movies and other war movies that are telling very similar stories, is that this movie is incredibly well made. Um, Steven Spielberg is at the helm for direction, and there's a lot of money that went into this movie, and it shows. Like you, I mean, there's a couple times where you're just looking at the sets, like, is that real? How did they build this? This doesn't make any sense. Like the amount of extras is also ridiculous. Yeah. The number of people that just get straight up killed on screen that get mutilated and we see their mutilations, like especially for like 1998 when things were kind of transitioning from practical to digital a lot of the practical stuff had so much money going into it that it doesn't look like an 80s practical effect where you can see the styrofoam and stuff like it the the budget shows in the best way possible yeah it's just impressive um it makes it feel real and i, I don't think you need to be seen have seen combat to like watch this and be like oh this is realistic like i don't think you need to you need to know what it was actually like to see somebody die or to actually see what, you know, artillery does to a person or machine guns to look at this and be like, ah, that feels pretty, pretty stinking close. Yeah. You might be able to nitpick like how fast people are dying, but there's a couple scenes where you're like, you know, I feel like, uh, this happened and I'm watching it live. Yes. Yeah. Um, this movie did win best picture the year it was nominated. Um, uh, it didn't. Oh, it didn't. It was robbed. Oh, IMDb was, liked it's like, me. It's one of the biggest controversies ever. It was nominated, oh, and it okay. lost to a Weinstein movie because everyone's like, "Oh, he bought it. One hundred percent, he bought it." There was a whole campaign for it, and it lost. And everyone's like, "It's like the, the big top three biggest robberies ever." Yeah, I, I read the page wrong. That's my bad. Yes, absolutely. Um. 
yes, this is when so the winner that this year was Shakespeare in Love. That was the movie. This is like Gwyneth Paltrow's big movie. That's not an MCU movie. And right. so yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the ratings, the ratings difference between Shakespeare in Love and Saving Private Ryan are leagues and leagues apart. But the other IMDb thing, IMDb lists this movie in the top twenty-five of all time. Yeah, uh, but the awards that this movie did win were best director, best cinematography, best sound, and best editing and best effects. Which, like, yes, yes, I, yeah, uh huh, yeah. I, I think Tom Hanks is good in this. It's definitely one of those roles that I feel like I he did a really good job with it, and but I feel like it's one of those roles that could have been a lot of other people for me when i look at a best actor it's like i can't imagine anyone else doing what you did with this right i also think sometimes the movie is so good it makes everyone in it look good and i think this movie does it yes like Um, yeah I, i know exactly what you mean and i've been praising this movie a lot because the I'm not a fan of the war genre of movie. I I think it's kind of one of those you see two or three and then you kind of get the gist of every other one. Um, Hence the micro theme. So we didn't want to fill it with an entire month. So I'm just I'm giving it all these accolades because it's so well made. It sticks out from the rest of the genre. Yeah, 100 percent. I think this movie is distracting um how like what it's about i feel like i'm just watching it feels real it feels so real and i think another thing that helps is we're watching a bunch of different guys have completely different reactions to the same thing yeah they're all having a crisis about it but they're doing it in completely different ways and we're gonna watch them go through like five different situations and we're gonna watch them all react five different ways to those five different situations so like i think that helps this movie with like some of its depth uh especially when it's competing against other movies i'm like i feel like we're watching more than one story right now yes because everyone's reacting so differently. which is kind of where the big plot kind of gets shadowed even more because right. i feel like because the movie because the plot kind of feels like such a nothing plot like i i as an audience member Never, I never felt like ah yes, we've. Des- I understand why they're doing this. Like I understand why they're doing it because it's their orders. But like past that, you know, I got nothing. Uh, so when they did all the little things along the way, um, you're right. It showcases the movie better than the actual mission did. I feel like this. Oh yeah. I feel like they could have very easily rewritten the mission to be. There's this one squad defending a bridge. You're the best reinforcements we have that we can expend. Go help them. Like, I feel like, I, I don't know. I, I have such a big gripe over, like, the thesis of this movie. Yeah, I think this movie would have been, like, even better if they would have come up with a better thing. Now, granted, I'm not smart enough to come up with a better reason. Um, because if it... It's the only reason you would send such a small group of people. Like they sent like eight, and sending them was so because far because it's not an important mission. Yeah, and if it would have been more important, they would have sent a lot more people. But at the same time, you're thinking, well, if this mission is so unimportant, you're only gonna send eight guys. Why send anybody at all? Yeah, um, I also think this movie 
gets a little boring several times. Um, every time they slow down physically, it makes the movie slow down as well. There's yeah, well, well the, when no one's shooting and you get a chance to get a breather, you're like, okay, time to settle in for another 25 minutes in this setting. Yeah. It's also a long freaking movie. Yeah, almost three hours. There's a scene where uh, two of their guys gets killed uh, trying to help take back a small town, and the whole group gets in this big argument. Like, why are we out here? We've lost two of our guys. The numbers don't add up. We should just go back. I'm not part of this crew anymore. I'm heading back by myself. And that whole confrontation feels like it takes 20 minutes. I, I liked it. I I liked it. I think I liked the scene. I just wish it was a little bit shorter. Yes. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about is there are scenes that I think depict the humanity of soldiers very, very well, but they always hang on that beat for just a little too long because they do it one more time right before the climax of the movie. They are yeah. they're trying to defend this bridge. They know a German offense is about to come. They just don't know when. So they're just sitting by this bridge, and they're just like swapping stories. They're kind of just hanging out until this battalion shows up. And uh, Tom Hanks's character and Matt Damon's character have a really nice heart to heart. It's like kind of like the most emotion that we've seen uh, in, in a minute from Tom Hanks's character. So it was very nice to see that. But we sit in it for like five minutes too long. Also, beginning and end. So this movie is one of those things that like in the beginning we see present day and then the whole movie is a flashback and then we get sent back to present day in the last five minutes. Yeah, that's where Completely you get that gif. Of Matt Damon going from young to old that a lot of people use. That's from this movie. Yeah. Completely unnecessary. Yeah, I I agree. I think it was, it was like that thing in Bucket List. Remember in Bucket List when they faked us out with who was actually going to die first? I think it was the same thing with this movie where it was supposed to make us think that Tom Hanks was going to be the one that survived. So when he wasn't, and then they flash forward again, it kind of gives you that second hit of like, oh, that's not who I thought it was going to be. And it kind of makes the sacrifice mean a little bit more. Whether or not that works for you, that's up to you. But I think that's where that movie is coming from. That was that movie's intention. Yeah, I just think, I think also it's appealing to the other vets. Yes. And I'm like, eh, it's just... It's if this movie was shorter, yeah, you could fill it in. But I think the problem is, is that it didn't add to the movie. It was just like a sprinkle of film on top of this, and I'm like, not necessary. Straight up, not necessary, bro. It felt weird. Um, a couple other gripes with this movie. Uh, I feel like some of it. It's it's hard to say what is important as far as gratuitous violence and gore, and what's just straight up realistic. Yeah. It was my least favorite year because I don't know I don't know how I managed to do this, but I feel like I had three history classes in a row that all felt like it was necessary to show us the Normandy scene in right. my history class. And like, if you're gonna have a scene with gratuitous violence, that's the scene to have it in, right? And so that right. it really reminds you just how bad it was, and it was worse than that. Yeah, but I agree that I there know. are it, parts it, later on where it's kind of like yeah. I, okay, you kind of get to a point where you're like, okay, I get it. It's war. Yeah. Yeah. I got to that point. 
I don't think other people do. I think it depends. Like this is like a personal gripe, like person to person. I think people approach it differently. I just like it got to a point where like I don't know how I would do it. Maybe this is as much as you could go. Any more would have been too much, and any less would have like felt cheap. Maybe yeah, melt felt like disingenuous, but like it felt it felt weird. That being said, this movie's freaking good. It obviously, is. yeah, obviously it is good. Um, do you have anything else important to say about it? Not really. I I'm. It's one of those movies that I've been meaning to watch for a really long time, and I felt. Exactly as I expected to feel throughout this movie. I steer clear of war movies because it just, I don't know, it makes me feel weird when I watch them. And it's also weird to critique because, you know, you don't want to, like, critique the aspects of the war genre. And then you're just like, oh, I'm just disrespecting an entire group of soldiers. <laughs> um, yeah. I also think this movie, I haven't seen this movie before either. And it's good. I will say there are a couple scenes with good dialogue. I think Matt Damon, the completely improvised scene of remembering what it was like back home with his brothers, that was a good scene. I think the argument over what to do with the POW after they um, the two of their buddies die in the grand scheme of things and they try to take that thing, try to take the hill or capture the point or whatever, I think that was good dialogue-wise. Yeah. Other and- than that. It's not a dialogue-heavy movie. And you listing... you Obviously, when you started listing the dialogue stuff, I'm like, what were my favorite pieces of dialogue? And then you listed those two things, and I'm like, yeah, those were the only two good pieces of dialogue. <laughs> There's, like, one where they're up late at night, and they're talking about, like, um, the betting pool they have for guessing the captain's job. Yeah. And, like... One guy's writing a letter and the other two guys are like completely forgetting that their friend just died. They're just dealing with grief their own way. I, that scene is important. The dialogue wasn't great. So I'm just saying like, no one's watching this movie for the dialogue, like at all. Um, they're watching it for the situations and how these people act in the situations. So much, you, you can tell so much from just like the actual acting, like body language, emotion on their face without words. That does like 95% of the heavy lifting in this movie. The words... We're okay. Um, most of it's military jargon anyway, just like moving people to certain points and calling stuff out. Um, so I think if that was even better, I think if the, they just spent a little bit more time in the dialogue, um, this movie would have been even better. But there are flaws in this movie. It's not a perfect movie. Yeah. Um, I'm giving this a seven and a quarter. A lot of this uh, I'm is- giving it a f- a lot of it, a flat eight. Yeah, totally. Sure. A lot of my stuff is hung up on the fact of me not liking the genre. This movie does a lot to break free from that and like set itself apart, which is why it does. It gets a good rating. Um, but overall, you know, it's just not my kind of movie. And I, I think I've rated it well enough and still be able to reflect that. Yeah, I think it's a good movie. It has flaws. But it's something like, if you like war movies, you're going to like this movie. It's famous for a reason. It's got a reputation for a reason. Um, it's kind of like the movie all other war movies get compared to. Sort of like Dark Knight is the superhero movie all other superhero movies get compared to. Um, it doesn't have to be a perfect movie, but it's like the standard. Yeah. Um, so I think a flat eight, it does have enough flaws that it doesn't get any higher for me. Now, 1917 is a World War One movie, obviously, uh, told from the British perspective, and 
the plot for that is basically there's an assault planned and one squadron learns that that assault plan is a trap laid by the Germans and they're actually going to get smoke checked if they follow through on it. So they send two people because they can't, you know, they can't radio and uh, there's no faster way to send a message to them. So they just send two people with a letter from their CO and just like, hey, you need to get this to them by tomorrow morning, pretty much. And if you don't, they're going to go into an attack where they all die. And it's basically the distance between where they are and where they need to go is like exactly a day's journey. So it's them kind of ra- it's like It's like six to eight miles, but it's like a war zone. <laughs> yeah. So it's them racing against the clock and navigating enemy territory in order to deliver this incredibly important message. Like, if you don't deliver this message, 1,600 people are going to die. Yeah. And so I'm going to circle back to what I said about war movies needing to be unique to tell themselves, to set themselves apart. And what this movie does is it uses continuous shots throughout almost the entire movie. There's probably three purposeful, distinct, noticeable cuts in this movie. Um, The rest the movie tries its absolute hardest to keep it as seamless of a single shot as possible. Sometimes if you have a keen eye, you can tell like, Oh, they probably had to do a cut here. They probably had to do a cut here, but overall there are only like three really big noticeable ones. Um, this movie's great. This movie's phenomenal. This movie rules. This movie is so good. Yeah. So that whole piece of continuous shooting makes you feel the time pass. Yes. It's amazing. It only works. I think movies only do that or should only do that when you're working with a very finite period of time. So yes. when you have like 36 hours, that's when you should use it. If you if you use it for any period like longer than that, the audience is going to be like, "Wait, what time? What day are we on? Like this doesn't make sense." But there was only one night in this movie. Yeah. So it's very easy to follow. I think this movie still drags a little bit, and I think that the continuous shot didn't help. I kind of think that during that night scene, that one continuous shot kind of made it feel, um, kind of made that scene drag on longer than I would have liked it to. But in a two-hour movie, only having like 10 minutes drag because of your cinematography choice, whatever. If it enhances the other hour and 50 minutes then so be it i there's only one scene that i get bored at i've seen this movie more than once now this is my second time and there's only one and this is the only scene that i get kind of bored and it's important is when they his buddy dies and that's when what's his face mark Uh, strong mark strong comes and they put him in the back of the truck and then the truck gets stuck Yes, because he's like, this is as far as we can go. And he goes on the bridge. That whole section. I'm like, I know it's important because we need to explain how you got so far so fast. Like you need to be in a vehicle. Yeah, it was the movie's one kind of cheat code where it's like, obviously, it'd be smart if we got him in a car, but that doesn't make for a good movie. So there's like a 10, 15 minute segment where 
He's in a car. The car breaks down. They try to push the car. And then he has to choose between, can I get this car out or do I just need to book it again? Yeah. They get the car out. It goes for a little bit longer. And they're like, listen, we're at a bridge. We can't go any further. And then we're back in the city. And that's when it starts getting dark. So that whole like vehicle scene when they're in the back of the truck, I'm like, I know it's important because like he's interacting with other soldiers who have no idea what's going on. For he's like, me, I'm literally on the. It's the scene at night before he gets shot. Oh, okay. I love that scene. Okay. I like it when, like, once he gets shot and then he kind of, like, gets recovered and, like, that woman is, like, nursing him back to health and then he has to, like, and then he has to, like, muffle that German soldier. Like, that stuff was all cool, but for some reason, like, the bits leading up to it dragged a little bit for me. Yeah, I yeah I dug that part too. Sure, yeah. When he's like, he's yeah. It was just it was just weird because like before that, he's like the only contact was the plane crash. Yeah, and the guy like didn't have a gun. So now I'm like, oh geez, we got another guy with a gun. It's you and him. What's gonna happen? Um, first time I watched this movie, so like Lance Corporal Blake, Lance Corporal Schofield, George McKay plays Schofield, uh, Dean Charles Chapman plays Blake. When the first time I watched this movie, I thought Blake was the main character. I think he is. I, I think you're supposed to think. I think you're supposed to think that. Right. I think that. Yeah, they definitely did that on purpose. So, so for all of you who have no idea what we're talking about, the reason Blake gets put on this mission is because his brother is part of the unit that's going to die. So, like, we need a guy who is the most motivated to get there, and then he can pick somebody to go with him because it just makes more sense to send out two people instead of one. So you're following the most motivated guy because his brother's on the other end. He's like, he's going to figure it out. And then it's just his friend who's coming. And I th- and then he dies. And that was what I was going to bring up too, is when Blake dies. And I think the audience has a moment of realization of like, oh, we're pivoting main characters. That emotion for an audience member, I think is rough. It's very difficult to shift main characters so quickly, especially when the new main character was very purposefully described as the secondary character. So, right. and he's apathetic. He not even apathetic. He was protesting. He after this whole like mind collapse where he almost dies, um kind of doesn't want to go anymore. Yeah. And so I felt this and I'm I'm sure a lot of other people felt this too. Like you kind of wish it was the other guy. Oh, for sure. And, um, but I think that's what makes, I mean, obviously I'm not saying anything revolutionary. That's what makes this movie powerful. Yes. And you took out the guy who had to do it. And now there's a guy who's doing what he's supposed to do. Yes. And obviously that makes it a more interesting movie. Cause if the character we expected to die dies, then we're not, it's whatever. Yeah. They were just going to chalk everything up to plot armor anyway. And the other guy just lost lost his life to further the plot. And it's a very difficult hill to overcome. But by the beginning of the third act, like I was rooting for the new main character again. It took like a right. little bit of time for it to get going. But once he like really sets his mind on it and like once he's like committed to it, it, it starts to come back. And again, I think that's on purpose. It's just a weird feeling to have in the moment. Yeah, I just don't think many people it's it's a gutsy move and you need to kill the person who is the main character. Be 
end of first act, beginning of second act, because we need to spend another act falling in love with the new character. Like, and if you, and if you don't give us that time, then by the time the movie ends, we're going to be like, well, that was, I wasn't really rooting for him. So now this guy had about one and a half, two acts for us to like follow his story and root for him. And he does an amazing job, bro. Yes. Amazing job. Um, This movie has famous people in it, but it's not a famous person movie. Um, And, you know, the the leads of this movie, you know, they have credibility to their names. They're just like not household names. Yeah. Dean Charles Chapman was in several seasons of Game of Thrones. So, like, you know, they have accolades. It's not like they're coming out of nowhere. But this movie has Colin Firth and Mark Strong and Benedict Cumberbatch. And every single time one of those actors come up, you're just like, ah, ah, Colin Firth. Yeah. And they're in for one scene and then you never see him again. Yeah. Um, Which I kind of liked. Yeah, for sure. It was weird. It was just like a quirk of this movie. I wouldn't. I don't think it helped. Um, but it didn't hurt. No. It was just like a gimmick. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, I really like... Saving Private Ryan did this too. And I think I just liked it more when this movie did it. There's something about you know war movies showing the humanity in soldiers. And I, I just liked how this movie did it a little bit more. I liked the interaction that um, Schofield had with... That woman with a baby and... and Yeah, with a f- French person just hiding out while her city's being bombarded. Yeah, and Schofield is just like, what's the baby's name? And the woman's like, I don't know. And he's like, so who's the mother? And she's like, I don't know. And th- I think there are just really cool moments of stuff like that throughout this movie where it shows the impact of the war, not just on the soldiers themselves. We see a lot of how it impacts the soldiers, but we get a little bit more of how it's affecting the people that are in the country a little bit more than we did with Saving Private Ryan, and I really like that. Yeah. This movie also, um, what Saving Private Ryan didn't allow us to do by having too many characters, this person, this movie had two, and it killed one of them. Yeah. So now we had one character to focus on the entire time. And then the set pieces in both movies, massive, freaking huge. Yes. The extras in both movies, numerous, like ridiculous amounts. The budgets are ridiculous. The, um, the action sequences that are amazing. Incredible. Um, the medical craziness is definitely more of a focus in saving private Ryan because, uh, D day happens. But this movie, like, you still see a bunch of people with missing limbs and stuff. You see infirmary tents, but it's not, like, the biggest focus. Um, but this movie is just, like, um, I would, it's not artsy, but it's def- it doesn't feel like your regular war movie. Yeah. It feels like more, this is opening up the demo for who war movies are usually viewed by. Yeah, for sure. And that leads to what I was thinking, like, I would probably recommend 1917 to someone before I recommended Saving Private Ryan. And 100%. Especially, like you said, to people that have not watched war movies before. 1917 is not only just a great movie. It is a great first war movie. It might not be a great first war movie in the sense of, hey, once you watch this, it's not getting any better than that. But that's yeah, like the right. only flaw in recommending it to someone. Yeah, this movie's just freaking good, bro. I think it's really good. And it's the parts where it's intense are so intense. 
this movie gets intense for so long. And it does it so well that when it pulls back and it gives the character a second to breathe, you are happy for them. You are happy that that character gets a second to breathe. But on the flip side, you also know he can't stay there for long. Be like, yo, we are running out of time. Because that character, because Schofield has such an urgency. By the time he sits down for the um, for the first time in like 16 hours or whatever, he's already made such an importance of like, I got to move now. If we are not moving this second, I am wasting time and someone's going to die. And so finally, after the night scene, he has to cross a river and he has to like use bloated corpses as like buoys to get across the river. And yeah. He finally gets to sit down and he's like surrounded by another company of soldiers. And I think I think it's a very beautiful moment of him finally getting to sit and just like not move for a second. And this soldier is uh, singing like a final hymn before him and his uh, him and his company go and do this battle that's going to get them killed. And right, and then you find out there's a second wave, and there's already a group out there, and I'm like, no right, time to rest, bro. You need to go out there and save those lives right now. So there's like 45 seconds of just like bliss that you know the characters feeling, and I think is very easily empathized by the audience, and then it picks right back up, and that intensity it goes right back to a hundred. And you know, there's also a nice moment like when he meets Blake's brother. And like he, you know, he has to tell him that his brother's dead. He gives Blake's brother um, his medal that he won. And that's also a very nice moment. So I think this movie does the calm moments just as well. Yeah, dude, it's just like there's so many different this thing that this movie does really well. And that Saving Private Ryan does very well is it puts the protagonist in a bunch of different situations and you have to react to each individual one. I think a lot of the hangups I get with other movies is it's like the same three situations over and over again. And they're just getting like better at it. Yeah. <laughs> like Top Gun. <laughs> like, okay, we're just going to do dog fights over and over again. And now we're just going to get better at dog fights. This movie is not like they're like different situations every time. Sometimes there's a mor- morality element to it. Sometimes there's like, what happens if one of my guys goes down? Sometimes it's what happens with POWs. What happens with civilians? Like there's just different elements of it. And the, that dynamic helps the movie so much and it keeps it from getting boring. Yeah. Um, I think this one's my flat eight. This is my 8.75. Yeah. So I have like a, a 7.5 markup on your scores. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, yeah, I, I, very, I do not disagree with what you're saying. It's totally valid. Yeah. This movie's phenomenal, bro. I would recommend this to so many people. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, Sweet. Are you ready to move on? You're one of these audience members who didn't watch it. You suck. And that's where I'm going to cut back in. Are you ready to move on to our improv segment? Let's do it. This is one that we haven't done in a hot minute. This is one of our favorites. This is consistent cutaways. The way this works is we're going to do a regular scene and then... We're going to work some prompts into the scene that require us to cut away and do another scene, and then we come back to the original scene. Sometimes we get a little lost in the sauce, but, you know, that's for us to worry about, not you. Sure, dude. Um, okay. So what do you think? What should we he- do? Here's what I'm thinking, all right? Yeah. I'm your doctor, and you are coming to me to get... You've been having a lot of problems, and you're trying to get a diagnosis from me, okay? 
But it's okay. like a weird thing. Lots of weird things have been happening. Oh, sure. Okay. All right. Uh, uh hey doc. Yeah. Whoa, hey, nice um, to see you on the street. Um, you know, this is just a Walgreens. Um, this isn't my office, you know that, right? Yeah. Hey man, while you're here though, if now is a quick time, my symptoms have gotten worse. You're si- you have you haven't discussed any symptoms with me. Well, I told you that like recently I've lost, you know, taste. I can't smell anything. Um, okay, well, let me get the blood. clothespin off your nose. And why are you? Are you, is that a tongue guard? Why? Let me let me get that tongue guard out. Can, um, can you? T- well, that doesn't really explain me coughing up blood. Uh, no, I guess not. Um, has you have you like had any accidents recently? Have you like fallen and maybe like bruised a lung or something? No. Um, I mean, I work in IT, so really don't have a lot of physical activity going on. Um. Really, the only thing I can point to is ever since I've been married, like things have started going wrong. Okay, that's so incredibly vague. I couldn't help you if I wanted to. Well, there was one time, I think we were probably like a month into our marriage, I woke up and it was the first time I'd ever experienced sleep paralysis. I guess cuts to you getting sleep paralysis. Babe, babe, can you get off me? Can you get off me? Okay, stop talking like that. What's wrong? Okay. Okay, can you like open your jaw like a little bit? Just a teeny tiny little bit. Okay, see, no, I. your doctor warned me about this. He told me that you were going to fake sleep paralysis. Okay, just, hey, snap out of it, okay? It's not that big a deal, all right? Cuts back to me talking to the doctor. Yeah, um, weird thing, while I was paralyzed, have you been seeing my wife? Well- Because she mentioned you. Seeing your wife could mean so many different things. Well, have you been talking to her? I mean- About me, when I'm not around? I just like, you're one of my more atypical clients, and since I heard you got married, I wanted to make sure that like- Someone was keeping. What do you mean? A more atypical. First of all, when I showed up here, you said I didn't have any symptoms. It's, what makes me atypical? It's well, you fake sleep paralysis. That's a weird thing to fake. Most people fake like cancer I'm and things that can get them not, out of work. I'm not faking, dude. I'm not faking. To be honest, I think my wife's drugging me. Cut to your wife putting things in your drinks. <laughs> Babe, what tea did you say? Did you want the jasmine tea or like the oolong tea? I don't know the difference. Whatever one has no caffeine, we have to go to bed early okay, tonight. Okay, uh, all tea has caffeine in it. So did you want like a... Di- that, did, there's no way that's true. It's there's no way. Totally. So do you just want like lemonade or something? I mean, if you have it. Okay. Okay. I just have like the powdered lemonade, so I have to mix it in with the drink, okay? Gets gets cups, uh, sure, it with d- water, gets the powder lemonade, gets a tablespoon, puts the tablespoon of powder in the water, starts to stir it up. Uh, hey, here you go. Uh, what did you put in this? The, the, the lemonade mix? Uh, yeah, what's this white stuff around the rim of the glass? Oh, I guess I wasn't super accurate when I put the tablespoon. Some of it must have just gotten on the lip there. Oh, sure. sure. How about you take a drink of this first, then? Okay. Glug, glug, glug. Do you, do you still want this? Okay. I know you can only do that because you took the antidote. What'd you put in this? I mean, ice cubes? Did you want me to take the ice cubes out? Do you want like I'm a sick non? Sick and tired of playing your games. 
okay. I'm sick and tired of this. This is just like last Christmas when we were engaged. Cuts, Cuts to back to last Christmas. Oh. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, babe, what'd you put in this eggnog? Lemonade. I'm I'm pretty sure lemonade does not go in eggnog. You asked. Is this for cinnamon? It. No, it's you. you I offered you eggnog, and you said yes, but only if you can put lemonade in it. Are you sure? I don't remember that. I, Are you, wait a second. What's this powdery stuff around the rim of the glass? <laughs> Sorry, I must have missed the entire cup, and I just must have gotten a little bit on the lip. Oh yeah. How about you take a drink of this first? <laughs> okay, can do. Glug glug. See? You must have taken the antidote. I, I swear on my life. What did you put in this? I mean, I put some ice cube. Did you want me to take the ice cubes out? Like you could just have. This like- is just like on our first date. <laughs> Cuts back to first date. So, um, this is a pretty nice place you have. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Uh, I just got done decorating it. Actually, um, uh, it's not totally done, but you know, like. Uh, my friend gave me some artwork that I wanted to make sure it was hung up pretty quickly because they're coming over tomorrow and I wanted to, you know, I wanted them to see it. Um, hey, sure, did you, sure. did you want me um, to get you anything to drink while you're here? Um, weird thing, but I, lemonade's like my favorite drink. Do you happen to have any? Yeah. It's like that, like the, it comes in like a powder and I kind of just have to mix it into the water. Is that okay? Yeah, that should be fine. Okay, cool. Um, takes the glass. Oh, I also so- like it with ice. Make sure to put that in there. Okay. Yeah. Takes glass, fills it with water, ice, uh, scoop, stir it in. Here you go. Hey, what's this powdery stuff around the room of the glass? That's anthrax. Get ready to die. Cox gun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not where I thought the scene was going when we started. But I'm about it. <laughs> do you want to do one more or do you want to call it? Uh, let's call it on that okay. one. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Man, that's a good <laughs> bit. That's a good bit. <laughs> oh, it's a banger every time, dude. All right. Middle segment. This is the segment that one of us prepares beforehand. I like to make mine interactable. So, I have come prepared with my favorite segment to prepare, and that is the doomed to fail quiz. This is a quiz where I have gathered a bunch of questions on stuff that I am pretty sure that Alex doesn't have the knowledge to, and... He tries to guess Somehow the right every time I'm batting like 500. Yeah. Um, again, I try really hard. I've, I'm aware that Alex uses psychology against me to answer these questions. So I try really hard to make them unpsychological. But who's to say? Alex, are you ready? I'm always ready. All right. Question number one. Despite incredibly positive fan reviews during its original run, the Beetlejuice musical was ultimately replaced during the COVID-19 pandemic, delaying its reopening until April of 2022. What musical was it replaced with? Was it The Music Man? Was <laughs> Good. It- I'm glad you just went straight into the options because I wasn't going to guess. Um, these are all musical revivals. It, I want to say it, it was replaced by a musical revival. Was it replaced by Music Man, Ragtime, Newsies, or Pippin? Oh, boy. Okay. Hit me with that one more time. <laughs> the questions or the answers? Uh, just the answers. Music Man, Ragtime, Newsies, or Pippin? Okay. Music Man, Ragtime, Newsies, Pippin. Um, I have not heard Pippin, Pippin spoken. Wait, when? what year is this? You said because of COVID, right? Yep. So it's like nineteen twenty. Yeah, so Broadway opened up in like late 2021, but Beetlejuice, because it got replaced by this musical, wasn't able to open until April of 2022. 
Okay, well, Pippin and Ragtime, I haven't heard Ragtime since middle school, and I haven't heard Pippin for at least a decade, so I'm ruling both of those out. When have you heard Music uh, Man? Um, Keegan's dad okay. was in Music Man. Fair enough. Also, I think CMW did it like four years ago. Okay. It, not, none of this is Broadway related. <laughs> okay. I've just heard of it. <laughs> okay. So this is all based on relevancy to you personally. Yeah. Okay. I'm saying like if I had heard it, I it's hard to judge where I heard it from. But I straight up have not heard the word Pippin in over 10 years. Um, same thing with Ragtime. I Closer to 15. Um, so it's really between Music Man and what was the other one? Newsies. Newsies. I want to... S- if you were to make up one, I'd say you'd make up Newsies because we did it for the talent show. And I, What a weird music- like jump. <laughs> Dude, it's literally... This is when it's 50 50. I have to come up with literally any reason, despite um, that so reason making man. absolutely no sense. <laughs> no sense. Okay, no sense. I'm going music man, though. It is music man, which is so <laughs> frustrating because I got skills, bro. No, I got you skills. Don't. I can read you like a book. I hate this. Why do I keep doing this? <laughs> All right. Question two. What video game featured the first appearance of Shadow the Hedgehog? Was it Sonic Adventure? Oh, this is impossible. Was it Sonic Adventure 2? Was it Sonic CD? Or was it Sonic Pinball? Um, what does CD stand for? Um, there was a console called the Sega CD. It was the first Sega console to run on disc-based games, which is why it was called the Sonic CD, or why it was called the Sega CD. Kind of like how Mario 64 was named 64 because it was on the N64. Same thing with Sonic. Gotcha. I want to say Sonic existed before CD. Okay, what are the other ones? Sonic Adventure, Sonic Adventure 2, Sonic CD, and Sonic Pinball. I mean, I'm going to go with... I mean, this is freaking hard. It's not pinball because that one's too obvious. Of course, it would appear first because pinball's old. CD feels like the obvious answer. Okay, and I do. No, wanna, it, does, it doesn't feel like the obvious. I do want to reiterate. The, I do want to reiterate the question: Is what video game featured the first appearance of Shadow the Hedgehog? Not Sonic. Oh, the I should have no idea who Shadow is. You cannot be serious. Is Shadow? He's the black I'm sure and red I'd one. I recognize him, but I can't. Yeah, I've, I mean, I haven't played a Sonic game. Yeah, but you have eyes and are friends with me. Okay, now I'm going to have to rethink this a little bit. Okay, so pinball doesn't make sense. CD is just confusing as a concept. (laughs) Are you Um, telling me you have not seen this man before? I know I've seen him before, but it's been... I think I saw him like on the Wii. Like, uh, Do you remember like Mario Olympics? Yeah. Sonic Mario Olympics? I think he was in that. (laughs) He was. But like that was the first and last time. Okay. Um, is he a good guy or bad guy? Oh, you know what? I think I have this figured out. Okay. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? Antihero. Is he a bad guy? Oh, I freaking hate it when people say that. Um, Eggman's the big guy, right? Yep. Like he's the main baddie. Yeah. I'm gonna say Eggman was in the first one, the first Sonic Adventure, and Shadow's in the second one. It is Sonic Adventure Two. Final answer: Sonic Adventure Two. It is Sonic Adventure Two. Okay, here's why I hate this. Re- <laughs> this here's why I hate this reasoning. It's because you're treating Sonic Adventure like they were the first Sonic games. They weren't. They were like the eighth. So, well, more information would have hurt my answer. Yep. So I'm glad I didn't have it. Yeah. All right. Next question. What is the name? Sure. So you know Haley Williams of Paramore fame. Um, yes. She I do. has redhead. She has a hair dye company. 
What is the name of Haley Williams' hair dye company? Is it Good Dye Young, Dye Another Day, Color Me Intrigued, or Haramore? Oh, okay. It's not Dye Another Day. I should I should say that both dyes in Good Dye Young and Dye Another Day is D-Y-E. D-Y-E. Yeah. Okay. Read me them one more time. I think I'm going to have to write this down. Good Dye Young. Okay, that's a Paramore song, right, though? Die Another Day. That's a James Bond reference, unless that's also a Paramore song I just don't know. Color Me Intrigued and Haramore. <sighs> One more time in reverse order. Haramore, Color Me Intrigued. Definitely not. It's too cheesy, but I think it's gonna be it's going to be in the final two. Color Me Intrigued, Die Another Day, Die, Good wait, Die Wait, okay. So Die Another Day is definitely not in. Color Me Intrigued, no. And then what was the first one? Good Die Young. Which is definitely a song. So I'm going to go Good Die Young or Haramore, bro. Okay. I think Haramore would be a good hair growth company. Is this one of those things where maybe more information will hurt your answer? Here's what I'm scared. You're going to tell me like the first two are also song puns? No, I'm telling you that it's... And I don't want to know that. I'm telling you that it's not a song pun. Good Die Young is not a Paramore song, at least. Oh, what am I thinking of? I don't know. Something angsty. Definitely might not be Paramore then. But when I Google um, Good Die Young, it's all about... Um, is that Kesha? Uh, I don't know. I feel like that's a Kesha song. I think the, the closest... Are thing- you just telling me this to throw me off? Is that what it actually is, though? Paramore... I mean, there's only the, the Good Die I Young it, by Billy Joel. No, that's definitely not what I was thinking of. Okay. There's an angsty song. I'm just going to go Good Die Young. It is that. I mean, I... You know, I, I, I understand I started feeding you the answer a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a clever it's a clever title. I just I don't know. I, I don't see a connection yeah. to Paramore as a song title. I, I'm thinking another angsty song. I'm a Google um, Good Die Young lyrics. Um, it might not be Paramore. Um, it's going to be. I just typed in D.Y.E. Good <laughs> Die Young lyrics. Um, what's her genre? Alternative? Yeah, uh, pop punk. Um, I'll it'll come up later. But sure. I know I'm not crazy. Next question: Jodie Whittaker's iteration of the Doctor on Doctor Who has just regenerated and will be replaced by Shudi Gatwa in the next series. Despite being titled the Fourteenth Doctor, what number Doctor will he actually be? Will he be the Eleventh Doctor, the Seventeenth Doctor, the Twenty-First Doctor, or the Twenty-Sixth Doctor? I know it's not the 11th because everyone, I've heard that number before. However, I don't know anything else about it. <laughs> so I know it's not 11. So what are my other numbers? 17, 21, 20, and 26. 17, 20, 17, 21, and 26. 26 seems too high, but I know there's been a metric ton. So 17, 21, 11 doesn't seem like that long ago though, you know? I feel like 11 people were saying 11 back in middle school, high school age. Hey, people. So there hasn't been six since then, right? People stopped saying 11 since 20 uh, in 2014. 2014 was Matt Smith's last season. And he was. So there can't have been that many unless this one was like taking place way in the future. We're supposed to just assume there's a lot of doctors in between. So I'm going to say 17. It is the 17th. I hate this game so much. (laughs) Dude. That was wild. Okay. That one, I'm impressed with. So <laughs> That one was crazy. So, those are just numbers. So here's here's why. Um, the first eight doctors all happened like normal. 
Then, after the Eighth Doctor regenerated, he regenerated into what is considerably known as the War Doctor. He was portrayed by John Hurt. And the War Doctor fought in the Time War against the Daleks, but he, in general, repressed that life so hard he just doesn't even count it as a life. And then David Tennant's Doctor regenerated into David Tennant because he didn't want to, like, leave that form yet. And then... Uh, mm-hmm. Spoiler for Jodie Whittaker's regeneration. Jodie Whittaker once again regenerates into David Tennant. So David Tennant is responsible for three separate versions of the Doctor. Dude. Yeah, uh, I just remember a lot of people just being obsessed with the 11th Doctor. Yeah. So I just did mental math. I'm like, how many Doctors can you fit in between 11 back then and now? Hey, so. what's my favorite Studio Ghibli movie? Is it Kiki's Delivery Service? Oh, is it Spirited Away? Is it Kubo and the Two Strings? Away. Or is it Howl's Moving Castle? Not Howl's Moving Castle and not Spirited Away because those are both way too mainstream for you. So what was the first one? Kiki's Delivery Service, Spirited Away, Freaking never Kubo and it. the Two Strings, Howl's Moving Castle. Kubo and the Two Strings came out. Here's the thing. I think it was going to be Kubo and the Two Strings. It came out recently. I bet you saw it in theaters. I did. And you were into anime at that time. So yeah. I'm going Kubo and the Two Strings. All right. Well, it's Kiki's Delivery Service. Kubo and the Two Strings isn't made by Studio Ghibli. It's made by Leica Studios. Okay. Well, that's not fair. <laughs> hey, it's called Doom to Fail. And this is the first time I've tripped you up. I'm taking it. But here's the thing. I'm good, bro. I nailed it down to two. And I just picked the wrong one. <laughs> and I wouldn't have if I would known it wasn't even an option. You know? Also... <laughs> Uh, Kesha did have a song called Die Young. Oh, okay. It was like a, a single. And I just got them confused. Great. Um, this one's kind of an easy one. Uh, in the Tomb Raider okay. games, what is Lara Croft's late father's profession? Bro, I'm gonna need options. University teacher, archaeologist, doctor, therapist. Not therapist. Um, okay, so archaeologist and professor... Were the ones I was thinking of. Okay. Um, because that's freaking everything. This is like, um, what's Harrison for? Indiana no, Jones. Indiana Jones. It's like the thing. So it's going to be one of those. Professor or archaeologist. To be honest, it could be a professor in archaeology. Uh, this could be a fake thing. I think she, I mean, she raids tombs. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't even know what the third option was. Doctor, yeah. you said? Yep. Like medical doctor. Okay, medical doctor. I'm like, I thought you were gonna throw PhD. No, oh, no. she's all three. Um, I mean, it's for literally a crapshoot. I'm gonna go. I mean, they both seem to. Uh, archaeologists seem so made up, but the other ones are so vague. Like, why didn't you just pick an actual like? Um, what is he a professor of? I feel like that's giving too much information away. Then I'm gonna go archaeologist. <laughs> If I had told you chemistry, would you have chosen university teacher? No. I, I needed something like Tomb Raider related. Okay. Um, it is archaeologist. Pretty much every Tomb Raider game is Lara reading her father's journal, being like, I was so close to discovering this ancient city in ancient Mesopotamia. And she's like, I guess I'll fill in the missing pieces. And that's every Tomb Raider game. <laughs> Um, so he is a professor. He's an archaeologist. Freaking yeah, he is, bro. Um, hey, quick, uh, how fast can I run? I'm gonna need options. Mm, you don't get options on this one. How fast can I run? Okay, are we looking for miles per hour 
are we looking for a, a mile time? Miles per hour at top what, speed. How fast am miles I running? Miles per hour. So like in a sprint. Yes. At your peak or right now? Jeez, way to tell me I'm not my think, peak. No, right now, right now. Well, I mean, <laughs> high school. Okay, right now, right now. Yeah. Miles. Okay, I need. To I can up. get determined. Something. Right, and you don't even have to do it for very far. We're just hitting, trying to go for max speed. So let's go. I don't even know what's fast. Well, Usain um, Bolt, I'm pretty sure broke a record at 22 miles per hour. 22 Usain Bolt, right? 22 seems low. I'll go, and this is a sprint. This is this is so freaking random. I'm gonna say. Are we doing halves or it has to be round number? Uh, we can do halves. No, let's not do halves. Okay, oh, that's what I'm okay. saying. Don't make me guess a half. So round round up. I think that's gonna make it easier. Okay. I'm gonna go fifteen. Um uh sorry, Usain Bolt was thirty seven point five kilometers per hour and twenty three point three five miles per hour. And you said fifteen? Twenty three point three five. I said you're fifteen, yeah. Okay. Um, next question. How many best picture winners have I successfully predicted? Wait a second, bro. What's what up? was it? Oh, no, that wasn't a question well, for the quiz. Well, I was just curious. How many pictures have I how many best <laughs> picture winners have I successfully predicted in the last five years? In the last five. Mm-hmm. All right, let me Google. Coda, um, Nomadland, Parasite, Green Book, the fish one. Shape uh, of Water. Two. Parasite okay. and Coda. Um, nope, only one. It was just Coda. I wasn't really following the Oscars until like the last few years, so I wasn't really guessing that much. Um, and last question <sighs> Listen, for man, you. I'm getting close. Yeah. Uh, what were the ancient aliens in Halo called? Were they the Protheans? Um, now, here's what we're doing right now is just I'm going for recognition. What okay. do I know? Protheans, ancestors, defiers, forerunners. Oh my gosh, this is way harder. Protheans <laughs> sounds like the good guys. Okay. Um, I didn't say the ancient aliens were bad guys. Wait, are aliens good guys or bad guys? Depends on the context and also where you are at in the Halo plotline. Oh my gosh, bro. What? <laughs> okay. So, Forerunners, for shit. Man, I don't know if I can figure this one out. This is all right. So, re- give me the options one more time Protheans, Ancestors, Defiers, Forerunners. Protheans. Second one was ancestors. ancestors. That seems a little on the nose, don't you think? I don't think it's Forerunners. Hey, um, because Alex, I've never heard that before. The game is Protheans. called Halo because there's a giant Halo in space. So on the nose, say what you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then I'll Ancestors then. No, it's the Forerunners. Dude, I was convinced, bro. <laughs> Forerunners sounds so freaking dumb. Yeah, the Forerunners were the one that built the Halo. Blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Uh, again, okay. my attempt to stump Alex has pretty much ultimately failed. Um, and next time I will come back thinking I have done a better job writing questions when I haven't. And that's an experience that we are all going to go on together. Alex, what's our one-hit wonder? Our one-hit wonder is uh, uh did you forget warner brothers okay kind of try to come up with a name and by warner brothers i mean wb because it's wet <laughs> wow worst and best would you rather be the worst of something or the best of something and we're going to go back and forth offering options so craig for example would you rather be the worst serial killer or 
The best porn director. Best porn director. Easy. Yeah, yes. Yes, but if you're the worst serial killer... Then I still get arrested for attempted. True. <laughs> true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, would you rather be the worst Beyonce backup dancer or mm-hmm. the best medical journalist? Medical journalist. 100%. Would you rather have access to the best water in the world or the worst presidents have access to so you can reach them whenever you want the best water in the world or have access to the worst presidents obviously still alive okay i don't know what i would want from the worst presidents and like listen i think just having access to them is freaking dope though yeah but again, I don't know what I'd use it for. I think I, I would rather have access to the best water, I think. Um, okay. Would you rather be the showrunner for the worst HBO show or the best PBS show? Oh, HBO cancel me so fast. They'll cancel me so fast. They cancel good shows. Yeah, but it's I'm still going PBS. HBO. Okay. Hey, no shame in PBS. Like, you know. Yeah, man. If I have to do like... If you make Sesame Street 2, buy more power to you. Freaking whatever, I guess. Would you rather um, have the worst sex of your life every time you hook up with someone new or the best sex of your life with people who are already in a relationship? Huh. <laughs> oh, and it's the best sex of their life and the worst sex of their life as well. I'm going to go ahead and probably take the former on that one. Because, I mean, I may be the worst serial killer, but I guess I'm the best homewrecker. <laughs> you know, so be it. But no, I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose the former. I'm good. I'll take I'll fall on that sword. Thank you very much. OK. Would you rather have the worst living conditions or in the world of your life. Okay. I'd be like, bro. <laughs> or okay. the best try to figure out the best way to say this. Um, the best chronic illness. Yeah, that. Okay. One hundred percent that. I don't even know what it is, but I'm definitely taking that. Okay. Uh, would you rather live a regular life and have the best and have and then live in the best retirement home? After 70, regular life, best retirement home after 70, or win the lottery jackpot, but it's the worst jackpot there's ever been. Probably the retirement home thing, because I imagine the worst jackpot is like under a hundred thousand, which is in the grand scheme of jackpots, (laughs) I'd rather have a nice retirement home, a nice retirement home. The lowest jackpot wouldn't even cover. Yeah, but if you invest it now, Craig. Okay, shut up. You could turn it Shut up. Stop (laughs) it. All right, want to do one more each? Yeah. Um, Would you rather, this is going to be such a nothing question, and I love it. Would you rather be the worst beekeeper or the best moss surveyor? Best surveyor. The worst beekeeper dies from being stung. Okay, fair, fair. Or kills all the bees, and I don't want to be responsible for either. We just got them back. In the spirit of nothing answers, would you rather 
live in the worst state in the U.S. or Ohio. the best country in Africa? I think just for like everything I know is in America. I feel like me moving to a different continent would be quite the hassle and very far out of my comfort zone. Would not like that very much. I'm just going to take... What's like the go-to worst state? Is that Mississippi? Um, I guess it depends on what your definition of worst is. Like, if you mean like... If you mean like lowest in general public rankings, I think it's like Alabama. But like, some people would say like Utah is or um, Wyoming. There's a definitive ranking. Never mind. World Population Review, worst states to live in. Number one on that list, uh, ranked on healthcare, education, economy, infrastructure, opportunity, fiscal stability, crime and corrections, natural environment. Top 10 worst states to live in, Louisiana. And I would live in Louisiana right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Louisiana, or I, mean, I don't even know what the best country would be. South Africa? Yeah, I know. Um Sure. Yeah, I think Louisiana might be the move. Anyways, that's uh, WB, a.k.a. Warner Bros., a.k.a. Worst and Best. If you liked it and you enjoyed the questions, great. If you hated it, luckily for you, it's never coming back. My favorite part of when Alex does a one hit and doesn't come up with the name until we're in it, and we get to watch him reverse engineer a name in real time because the segment is never called warner brothers he just wanted a reference to wb so we could call it worst and best yep so he's saying warner brothers to justify calling it wb it's just called worst and best (laughs) listen it's wb aka warner brothers aka worst and best (laughs) whatever you say man whatever helps you sleep uh what you got for free balling man i watched two movies about musicians The first movie I watched is called Tar. It's an early Oscar contender. A lot of people are eyeing this. Kate Blanchett for uh, Best Actress nom. Uh, Todd Field for Best Director. Tar is probably going to get a Best Picture nom. So I'm like, all right, I'll swing by. I'll check it out. Woo! Oh, man. Did not enjoy that experience. I'm surprised. Is this this a, a biopic? No. It's a it's an, a okay, completely yeah. fictional original story. And gotcha. I thought you were tapped out of those. So it makes sense that it's fictional. So Kate Blanchett plays a woman named Lydia Tarr, and she is probably the most mainstream conductor of modern day. And she is currently the lead conductor of the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra. And she is about to record the final song in a nine song song cycle that nobody had ever fully recorded before. So she would be the first conductor to have all nine songs under her name in terms of conduction or in terms of conducting. Well, and so the movie is about her trying to get this piece through its final weeks of rehearsal while handling the politics of high stage music. Um, trying to play favorites with people in the orchestra, handling the relationship with her wife and kid, and um, all while scandals are being slowly thrown at her to try to discredit her. Now, all that being said, you'd think, wow, this kind of has kind of like a House of Cards, West Wing, kind of like, you know, high political action, but in a music sphere. 
And I wish that's what that was. Alex, I wish that's what this movie was. <laughs> Nothing happens in this movie for an hour. The first 10 minutes of this movie is Kate Blanchett's character giving like a David Letterman type interview. All in character, but it's once that one scene goes on for like 10 minutes. And then Alex, the next 10 minutes is her giving a masterclass on conducting at a university. And Alex, I have I have an associate in music. This this should appeal to me. I'm interested in this subject matter. I was watching that masterclass scene and I kind of felt like, wow, I'm interested because she's saying some really cool things about the art of conducting. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not at school right now. This is a movie. <laughs> and that went on for oh, another 10 dude. minutes. And then she had dinner with Mark Strong for another 10 minutes. Mark Strong doesn't show up again until the last 20 minutes of the movie. They're talking. And so I just think this movie. Oh, is, man. I think this movie is very poorly paced. I think not a lot happens in this movie. And by the time things do start to happen, you're already so far checked out that like it, it's, it's too little to reel you back in. I think a movie can reel you back in if you're checked out, but it has to it has to overcome a very large hill in order to do that. This movie does not do that. It also doesn't resolve any of its plot lines in any satisfying way. Sure, you walk away from the movie and you're like, I understand what happened to this character and the consequences of their action. But... It doesn't do it in a meaningful way. It's kind of, it does that thing in Saw where it's like, hey, and here's the final thing. Credits roll. But it does it about a conductor. Oh, my dude. So I know this movie's going to get Oscar buzz. This is my, this is this year's Power of the Dog where all all the filmy film types are going to love it. And if you're just like a normal movie person it's going to be rough. It's a four for me, dog. Golly, bro. Well, I'm I'm a fan of movies like that. Like, I was a big fan of Whiplash. Um, and that's what I wanted. I wanted Whiplash. Of... I wanted Whiplash with Kate Blanchett. That's not what this movie is. Golly, dude. That sucks. Um. Well, thanks, because I'm now I'm not going to... You're gonna, gonna you're gonna watch it in Kate February. Like, you're gonna watch it in February when it gets nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> probably, I probably am. Uh, I'll just be on my phone the whole time. Um, I watched the final season of Archer. There's gonna keep they're gonna keep coming out. The most one, recent season the, of Archer. The most recent season of Archer, and I finished it. Uh, it is unremarkable. Yeah, so we've talked about Archer several times on the show before, and the over the overarching theme was like it's really good. You get through a very heavy slump, and then the most recent seasons kind of pick back up again. So is that not what you felt watching it in actuality? Yeah, it was just like a mediocre, felt like mediocre television. That's a bummer. Just, just like I mean, it had some funny-ish parts. Um, the problem is it's been going on for so long that now you start to notice that characters aren't around anymore. Like Gillette will be out for a couple episodes and then Pam will be like a big part. And then all of a sudden Carol will be gone for a couple episodes. And I'm like, obviously there's like scheduling conflicts or something, but like that became very noticeable because it happened with more than one person. Um, it just felt off. Um, it just felt weird. I know. It feels weird that Archer would do anything, can blame anything on scheduling conflicts because their seasons are eight episodes. Right. And it's voice acting. Like, 
can we just get them when we can get them? So it must like, be a to... money thing. It must be them not being able to like pay them like full season rates. Yeah, it felt weird. And that was just like one of the things I'm like, and Jen, I don't remember most of the season. I don't. It's just unremarkable. I don't remember how it ended. I could probably go back and watch it today and be like, oh, I don't remember or notice this part. It's just, it fell off. It really fell off. And now I'm just here because I don't want to have to rewatch everything. So every new season that comes out, I'm going to have to keep up with it because I'm not going to go back, start over and then, you know, watch the last two seasons. But not worth it unless you have been following it since the beginning. Um, It's just okay, bro. Yeah, that's a bummer. I kind of hope that this swing that we saw in the IMDb ratings was like genuine. But if not, you know, that's a bummer. It's just it's same old, same old. Um, I watched a second movie. This time it was about a real musician with real class in a good movie. That's right. We're talking about the Weird Al movie. Weird, an Al Yankovic story. Now. Okay. If you don't know who Weird Al is, let me. This is very important for context. Weird Al pretty much pioneered mainstream parody music. He had a show on MTV in the 80s and 90s, and he parodied pretty much all the big hits. Uh, Michael Jackson, Coolio, Madonna. He parodied all of them, and he was well received on pretty much everything. Um, and his comedy comes from absurd like what he does is stupid and he leans into that he does most of the backing of his parodies is done on the accordion he's a polka artist right and so this movie is not a biopic it's a parody of biopics and so all the tropes that we analyzed last year you know the getting famous overnight the movies rushing into fame the movie the the fact that movies like dwell on the bad behavior for a long time like this movie acknowledges and dunks on all of those aspects of a biopic um if you don't like the weird al style of comedy you probably aren't going to like this movie um it's the kind of i i Unfortunately, I think this movie gets better. I don't, unfortunately is a weird way to put it. Um, this movie get, <laughs> this movie gets better as it goes on. So it's not one of those movies where I can be like, if you don't like it for 30 minutes, you can bow out. It's free on the Roku channel. So like, if you don't like it, you know, you be the judge of yourself. But it's one of those movies that just gets more and more absurd as the movie goes on. And it gets less and less realistic. And that's kind of the joke is that Weird Al is this, like, B-list at-best celebrity that is getting a biopic where he's treated like an A-list celebrity and he's doing all the A-list celebrity type stuff. Also, played by Daniel Radcliffe, and he's ripped yeah. as hell in this movie. <laughs> There's a part where he takes his shirt off on stage, and I'm like, the muscles and afro is a weird look, but I'm watching it. Um, nice. this sits at like a seven and a quarter. Not all the jokes land with me. Uh, the jokes that fall flat, you kind of feel for a little while. And like I said, if, if it's not your style of comedy, it's not going to hit, but seven and a quarter, it's free on the Roku channel. If you want a silly, goofy movie, this is a silly, goofy movie. Um, I watched Barry the show. Okay. This show is phenomenal. It's incredible. It's 
amazing. It's one of those shows where I watched the first episode of and didn't get immediately hooked. Therefore, I did not continue watching it, despite the fact I am very aware the show's best products is not in the first episode. So I just need to sit down and like actually watch it. It gets better. Also, it's super easy to watch because these episodes are like 35 minutes long. Um, There are some parts that are like so cringy. I'm like, it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. And some parts that are like so hard to watch because it feels so real. And I just don't like what's happening that I'm like, it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. This is one of the only shows where I'm like, it just keeps getting better. It just keeps getting better. Every season finale, every episode finale, I'm like, what? It, I, I, it hasn't fallen off yet. Like season two, I liked more than season one. Season three to me is probably on par with season two, but guess what? They're like both nines. There are so like many it's, HBO shows that I need to watch, like Barry and Succession, and like that, Well, that, do Barry before everything else because you can. There's only 27 episodes. They're each a half an hour long, and you can go through it in like two weeks. Schmigadoon is only is, six episodes, and I haven't even finished that yet. My TV game is Schmigadoon. That's your problem, bro. You're freaking watching Schmigadoon. Uh, um, Succession is on my list as well, but I know it's way too freaking long. I also am behind on Westworld to the point where I'm going to have to watch some recaps, and that's way too freaking long. Um, so you I do know watched... the Westworld news, right? Oh, what? Westworld got canceled. <laughs> yeah, but like they came out with a new season. Yeah, and I was already a season behind. Okay, I'm saying don't feel so bad I'm if like, you don't get around to it. <laughs> yeah, so I liked the first season a lot. The second season was okay, and I'm like, I gotta get around to it. Um, but Barry is so digestible and it's so good and it's funny. It's, it's so, on, and it's even if you like, and I just sure. love Bill Hader. It's so good. I'm giving it a nine overall. Like I could get each, each season, like different scores. I'd probably give the first season an eight. The second season is like a nine and a half. And then the last season is like a nine. That's crazy. It's phenomenal. I want Yeah. It's, it's so good. I'll make sure to bump that up in the list. For sure. For sure. 100% everyone should watch Barry season one, two, and three. It's on HBO. Alex, what the heck are we doing next week? We're going to do heist movies. Like we've watched a couple heist movies in the past, obviously Fast and Furious and whatnot. Um, But we're going to focus in on like what it takes to be a heist movie. So we're doing Jackie Brown, the Quentin Tarantino movie from 1997, and Italian Job, the new one with Mark Wahlberg from 2003. And we'll see how it goes. Don't worry, audience. I pushed really hard to try to get us to watch Going in Style, but unfortunately, it did not take. And I know everyone's going to say, well, the quintessential heist movie is Ocean's Eleven. Hey, bro, we're going to get to it, okay? Just like as far as grinding two movies in one week, we had to pick the ones that we probably weren't going to watch any other time. So Italian Job, Jackie Brown. Ocean's Eleven is on the table still. Don't worry. We're co- yeah, we-, we have something special out, for bro. that. Hey, man, we've done 113 episodes. Trust that we're going to do a couple more and we'll get to it. But until then, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.